Recorded during the plague year of 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute, a show where three times a week we go over one minute of Robert Wise's all-too-timely 1971 techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm one of the other hosts, Jonathan Carlyle of UHF 62nd. And I'm your third host, Tabitha Carlyle, friend of Movies by Minutes. Ah, the Carlyles. It's always fun talking to you guys and it's uh, unfortunately this year we're not we're not able to see each other face to face unless it's through no. a, a monitor so that's a, a bit of a bummer but always always good hearing you guys and uh and you you are um pioneers in uh in the andromeda minute you've never seen this before until uh until i asked you to come on the show so it that should be is a correct uh initial what are your initial thoughts on it when you saw it it was better than i thought <laughs> well, that's good. I I, uh, I turned it on. We 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 watched it in two nights because I turned it on the first night a little too late to watch the whole movie. But I just I just wanted to see what it, what it was or what it looked like to kind of get the feel of what we were going to get into. And we kind of got hooked into it, so we ended up watching almost half of the movie mm-hmm. and then uh, turned it off and then finished it the next night. But yeah, yeah so wow. we were pretty pleased with how it started off. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad. It's uh, it is a bit ponderous. I mean, Robert Wise kind of he beats everything into the ground. <laughs> Just like let's pick it up a little bit, but it's it's that 1970 speed. Um, yeah. But and because it was the 19, you know, 1970s movie, I I kind of expected it to be a little bit more something that would be you know mocked by MST3K or something, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. Ha- and so I was kind of surprised at how hooked into it you know i was when we turned it off halfway through um to take a break for the night i was like wow i was actually i was engaged i'm looking forward to watching it tomorrow and i'm i am pleasantly surprised at how much i enjoyed this movie and it's it, it, it's kind of weird since like at least two-thirds of the movie is just about scrubbing <laughs> it's not... that's true <laughs> It's uh, and it. I always feel bad through most of this movie, unless there's like some, you know. I, I think the scenes in Piedmont were pretty exciting, but until you get to the end of this movie, it's just like, it's like going to work, really. <laughs> the uh, the minute that we have here in uh, minute fifty eight, it uh, starts with uh, the uh, the wildfire crew sitting down to a liquid breakfast, and uh, just having them ha- having an impromptu staff meeting. Um, uh, this it, it just it, it just seems like you're going to work <laughs> right it does yeah these this week isn't the most exciting of minutes <laughs> but it, it does sure. remind me of i'd never seen the movie before but when i was a teenager and jurassic park was all the rage like i got into a Crichton uh fest and so i think i i think i read jurassic park first but then i moved on and read andromeda minute um but i don't remember that much about it i kind of remembered when we watched the scene about the buttocks and stuff, I kind of remembered oh, yeah. that kind of stuff about the you know the blood flowing down with gravity and stuff. Um, but the other big thing I remembered, it may not have even been Andromeda's strain. I don't remember, um, but it was just Michael Crichton's style. Uh, I'm I'm a very I'm a completionist, and I don't like to skip things. So I just remember that there were pages and pages of straight data. And yeah. I read every little bit of it because I didn't know you could skip pages. <laughs> and so I remember that being very tedious. And so these minutes are a pretty basic celebration of that, I guess. Yeah. 
So, Jonathan, when you read Lord of the Rings, do you even read the italicized parts? Because that's, <laughs> that's like one uh, of the... Well, I start to, and then I remember that, oh, I can skip some of this stuff. Because <laughs> I'm not going to remember it anyway. Yeah, it's... Uh, Creighton is very much... Uh, he loves the... He loves telling a story with found documents, and I think uh, it, the Andromeda Strain novel is very full of all these little pieces of pieces of paper that you're supposed to look at and go, okay, that's a biowarfare map, but it's also telling me how many people are dead in certain areas. And uh, it it's weird. It's like a it, it's almost like being in one of those breakout, um, uh, you know, the uh, these, well, until the virus hit, well, it used to be really popular where you go into a breakout room and you had to find the clues. It, it felt like you were looking at clues mm-hmm. that were given to you in the novel. Um, I, it, it, the other thing that hits me about this movie, when, whenever I'm looking at the cast of characters, it's, it's like the triumph of middle age. Everybody, everybody <laughs> in their you know, 40s and 50s, and they're, they're all uh, huddled around thinking about stuff. There doesn't, there don't seem to be that many interns in the whole thing. So it's just, uh, it's, I, I can't imagine uh, trying to sell this in a youth-oriented market. Uh, these yeah. people are not, not particularly, you know, screen idols. Well, speaking of that, I had kind of made a list of kind of recasting this based on who the characters look like or who they reminded me of. But oh. it's funny that you say that about the middle age because my recasting is not younger people at all. Um, mm. I had, uh, for Dr. Mark Mark Hall, I had David Hyde Pierce. Um, for okay. Jeremy Stone, yeah. I had Alan Alda, which would be a little bit older than, than uh, yeah. the rest of my cast. But uh, Charles Dutton, for some reason, Chris Parnell, I thought he could pull that off. Oh, yeah, he, he could. Oh, okay, and, yeah, uh, I can see that, yeah. And then Ruth, uh, how do you say her last name? Levitt. Levitt. Or Levitt? Levitt, Levitt uh, yeah. Yeah, I I think Mike Myers could pull her off. <laughs> I would tune in for that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, wow, now I'm going to be staying up all night trying to figure out how to, how I'd cast this thing, but it's just there it is good casting though. I think the the people there if they had put a big star, I think Arthur Hill or maybe uh uh, yeah, I think Arthur Hill is the big star of this show, and he, he didn't even have a TV series at the time. But I think casting anybody that would, like a Gregory Peck kind of a guy would, would have taken away from it. it the, sure. the fact that they're nameless and faceless uh, kind of helps jump into the thing. Um, yeah, when I read those names off just now, that was from, I had to do research for that because I did not remember any of them from the from watching the movie. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they are... Uh, they are remarkably unmemorable. Uh, I, I mean, just the, the work the work that they do. You know, it's the old guy, the cranky doctor, the uh, uh, the scientist guy, and then the the only uh, the woman on the team, mm-hmm. um, who they re- uh, the overhead refers to her as the. That's in the next minute. Oh, is it? Never mind. Yeah. In the next minute. <laughs> yeah, in the next minute we'll talk, we'll talk about that. In the next... Never mind. It's an, Scratch yeah, that. It's an important, yeah, it's an important thing. But we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hit it in the next minute. Don't worry. But it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I uh, the thing that I love in this particular minute as we're watching are the, the low shot. It's all shot from, like, ankle height. And uh, <laughs> you know, you feel, you, when he's talking about looking for sugar and try, you know, uh, trying to find something, I keep thinking this is the ant's eye view of things. So, uh, but it's... Uh, Gosh, they don't. I, I know maybe they're just trying to keep things clean, but there is not a bit of artwork or any kind of human 
yeah. bit in this entire scene. And yeah, that was uh, the, the the '60s and '70s were like that in their in their design. That that donut in the in the ceiling kind of reminds me of uh, the the war room in uh, Doctor Strangelove, where you know everything's like lit by a big egg on the ceiling. Um, but it's just it's just remarkably monotone and very government issue. It feels. Yeah, I think that's part of the whole sterile feel that you're supposed yeah. to to feel in all of it. And yeah, I, I the other thing, the thing that bothers me in all of this, and I, I guess we have to skip over it because it's a movie, and we're you know we're, we need to we need to you know leave out one big thing just to just to make the movie go. But why, if everything is behind a sterile field, if it's all in glove boxes and it's all contained on the other side of a wall? What does it matter if any of the people there have germs on them? Because that's, I mean, they're on the dirty side of the wall anyway. Right. Um, but <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You know, then we wouldn't have a movie, though. Yeah, then you wouldn't have a movie. But I think maybe it would be just, you know, like later in this movie, I guess, spoilers, but, uh, you know, the virus breaks through. So I suppose, you know, it's part of preparing for that case scenario if for some reason whatever um foreign object you know that they come in contact with they're fully prepped in case they happen to actually you know be personal (laughs) with it (laughs) person to person with the object almost like you might die but don't give it more food so it can get the rest of us right yeah you're like a you're like sugar in the yeast you know it's just (laughs) Make the bread rise, um, right. which you know I guess that's I can understand getting rid of the sugar in the scene. Um, does this movie remind you of any other movies? I mean, apart from Jurassic Park, I was wondering if if you had any. Other, did, did this have any callbacks to you of anything else? Uh, no, just uh, just a lot of MST3K. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could think of something, but I, I have to filter through the MST3K stuff first. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of, uh, they, they definitely cover a lot of movies that have these clinical type scenes of exposition and people in jumpsuits. So it's a. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, it, not even not even the movie, but just, yeah, the host sequences. It, this is like Deep 13. <laughs> just, yeah. They've all, they've all got gray jumpsuits in this one. Uh, so I have a question that we could talk about in any one of these three minutes, really. Uh, but with all the exposition and stuff, is this? And I don't know if you're the person to answer this, but I, I feel like uh, of all the people that I know personally, that that you are uh, at least someone who could fake a good answer, and I would believe you. Uh, <laughs> is this anything like what it's like to work kind of government top se- secret adjacent? You know, where they could pull you in, but you don't know anything, and they have to explain every little thing to you as you go, or is yeah, this that... mostly just kind of movie exposition? Yeah, that that's very very much movie exposition. I, I've I've only worked in very low security things. I've worked I've worked with people that do top secret stuff, but it's very compartmentalized, and they don't pull you in unless you already have the knowledge that they need. And at that point, they only tell you uh, the parts of your job that you need um, to to know about things. And it's very the the problem on on the classified side of things is some people don't know what's not classified and they get very upset. I'll, I'll give a, a brief example. I used to work for uh, British Aerospace and they made the, uh, they made the Harrier jump jets and, and among other things. Uh, one of the devices that they made 
was a device called uh, Nape of the Earth, where you could fly a you could fly a plane. It, they had a very detailed radar map of the entire globe, and so you could fly at low altitudes, like you know, 50, 100 feet off the deck, through a canyon, and the plane could steer its way through there at you know uh, 500 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is that it didn't. It, it, the computer that they had that would do that stuff. Uh, couldn't work supersonically. It couldn't process fast enough to, you know, turn the plane left, turn the plane right. And uh, another problem with that is if you went supersonic and started trying to make left and right turns at Mach 2, you'd, you'd turn the pilot into, uh, you know, tomato sauce. So, <laughs> um, so I was, I was uh, working with the head of the uh, Air Services Division in, in the Military Affairs Office, and uh, he was, he had, uh, top secret clearance and all this stuff and I asked him I said do you ever think that the nape of the earth will work uh, in super, at supersonic speeds and he looked at me and uh, he grabbed me by the shoulder and took me into uh, the vice president of the military affairs office and sat me down closed the door and said tell him what you just told me I said I didn't tell you anything I just asked you if nape of the earth will ever work at uh, supersonic speeds and said, how do you know the capabilities of Nape of the Earth? I said, it was in uh, Aviation Weekly last week. I was reading about it. <laughs> <laughs> he was expecting to, you know, call in the uh, uh, mil- you know, defense, uh, what is it, defense police? I forget what the name of the thing is, defense. Uh, anyway, he, he was expecting me to go, you know, to Leavenworth for knowing about the, in- the incapabilities of the Nape of the Earth uh, radar. But that it, that's... I I think that's the problem is that people don't realize when things stop being secret. <laughs> um, the, uh, the 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 around the Pentagon, uh, the name for a- Aviation Weekly was always called uh, Aviation Leaky because people would <laughs> you find out about classified stuff through in, in the news back on the news. This was way back in the day, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much you don't. I, I think everybody that's a specialist in doing these things already has a clearance. And that's, I mean, that, that is one of the bigger flaws, big plot holes in this movie is this idea that uh, Dr. Hall didn't read everything or that he wasn't, he wasn't going to meetings or the idea that none of these people had ever gone through dry runs at wildfire. Like this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is the production run and this is the first time they've ever been out to uh, Nevada. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah Dr. Little... Hall and Dr. Levitt seem pretty upset about this whole thing. Like yeah. they were just, you know, drug in and Yeah, and and Dutton and Stone were right there, you know, they wrote that letter at the beginning in 1969 and built this multi-million dollar complex. Uh, and so they, you know, I I think Dutton was kind of the he was Stone's contractor on the thing and he just like he was down there with the hard hat digging digging the five levels and putting in the nuclear bomb and all that jazz. I think he was the, the mastermind behind that stuff. Uh, but yeah, Levitt was, Levitt knew all about microbiology and um, Stone or uh, Paul was in for, because he was a surgeon and knew about blood gases and could diagnose people with uh, uh, blood problems or, or he knew, he knew about circulatory systems. I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering since they, they suspected it was a circulatory problem with the blood, although I don't know how they did that, that they might have another doctor on call who's a neurosurgeon or another doctor who knows something about, um, like, epidemiology or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, he got dragged in. But the idea that he's 
he's going in, you know, at the big show instead of being on a practice run. And he didn't read any of the articles that uh, that Dr. Stone was sending him, including the little bit about, oh, by the way, you're going to have control of a nuclear device that can blow up, you know, blow a hole in the bottom of uh, Nevada. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, just a, yeah, just a little bit, uh, but <laughs> but then we wouldn't have a movie, so you know you can't really right. pick at that. Uh, um, I I don't agree with the 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 color scheme. I don't. I mean, I understand they're trying to say it's the future, but if you're you, everybody's wearing the same thing that's the same color as the file cabinets, it's just kind of. Huh. <laughs> I would think that you'd at least want a little bit of contrast so you could spot the people in the hallway. Right. <laughs> what what, uh, what year was this released? 71. It was filmed in uh, uh, October through December of 1970. Because I just, on a whim, I'm not even sure. I think it was just all the sugar talk. I, I just <laughs> looked up Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That was also ah. 1971. That's like, ah, the, they're like the diametrically opposed movies here. <laughs> they both have levels and secrets and stuff, but one is all about sugar and the other one is not. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah at, at this point, Mark Hall could eat the dishes. That was where. He was, he was ready. Um, it, yeah, it's, uh, it, and like, like you said, this, uh, Willy Wonka's all color, and this is all colorless. Well, I guess not colorless. The, uh, the red and yellow levels were okay. Um, I'm just, I, I am still, I am still trying to figure out how possibly this, this could have passed, you know, a pitch meeting saying, well, yeah, all these people are dead, and then what we're going to do is we're going to spend two hours scrubbing people and killing monkeys and then uh, we're going to have a you know a near explosion at the end but then we'll solve the problem it's just it doesn't sound like something that you can you can pitch although the book was pretty good so maybe that was um that was where it was coming from yeah yeah the ending for me was um i was i was just like oh oh is that it <laughs> <laughs> we fixed at the end yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah the end uh, Wow. Yeah. Well, so. um, I don't have any other notes on this other than uh, she she mentions Hippocrates, which is the you know the father of modern medicine at the beginning. There, uh, Levitt is saluting as as she hands um, uh, Doctor Hall the brown tang. Um, and yeah, you know, I think she's just being snarky with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's on it and bringing up things like li lipid soluble vitamins. Um, I, this feels like Michael. Yeah, Michael Crichton did his homework, so make sure you get that in the script, so you can show that Michael, Michael Crichton has been studying up on uh, nutrition. Um, yeah, I do. I do want to know about uh, nutritional substitute for or nutritional. I forget what that word was. Forty-two-five. Are there four hundred and twenty-four other ones that didn't quite work out, or is it if you're uh, <laughs> if you're tall or husky or whatever the, you know the phrase was at the time, um, if you had a different nutritional su supplement, but. Um, I guess forty-two-five for everybody all around. Uh, wow! Everybody has well, gets the same amount of vitamins. Yeah, <laughs> it's and apparently nobody has any kind of health issues or is diabetic or you know they don't they don't really take take those into uh, account. And and as we find out later, apparently nobody's out of physical until <laughs> right. uh, until they got to level two. So. Yeah, and I guess that they get all their. It looks like they get their water soluble vitamins in the. 42.5 and yeah. those pills that they gave at the table are their lipid soluble vitamins so they're right. like yeah. vitamin a d e k which also right. i wondered if her snarkiness about the 
lipid-soluble vitamins. Well, I guess no food, which you get that from fatty foods, so you wouldn't yeah. get it from there. And you also don't get vitamin D from the sun because you're all these levels <laughs> yes. below the ground. <laughs> so Most fluorescent lights going on, yeah. Right. Uh, it's a... Uh... Yeah, it just it, it's uh, it's uh, this is one of those things that if you think too hard about it, it's, you're just going to get hurt. So it just mm-hmm. it's, it's very very uncomfortable. But uh, at least they're all doctors and they can show how show each other how smart they are. I know. Um, I I was thinking about when she said you know that she wants a cigarette, and um, Doctor Stone is like, oh well, you won't have to worry about that on level five and i was like why wouldn't she have to worry about the cravings for a cigarette and he's just meaning because she doesn't get to eat any meal when she's on level five like oh okay thanks for understanding yeah and if uh, you know if there's any coffee and he's he said no coffee well it's like well you don't have to take it with sugar there's you know even before splenda they had saccharin you can you can get you know you can order it with well splenda's like you know like just just like starbucks only back in the 70s yeah. um yeah it's oh well anyway again picking at it, it'll just get it'll get infected so let's, let's, leave, <laughs> let's leave this minute alone um but wow we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about this some more and i know you have some stuff on for wednesday um in the meantime uh jonathan where can people find uh your dulcet tones on uh on the internet dulcet tones oh well you can Go on to UHF 62nd. That's UHF62ND.com. And uh, at the very moment, and probably when this gets released, we're still on a hiatus. Uh, but we we have stuff. We're not abandoning it. We're still having fun. We're just not letting you know about it. And uh, <laughs> it's coming. It'll all happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. They can, it, it gives everybody a chance to catch up. That's, that's the important yeah, thing. So exactly. Um, exactly. Wow. Well, anybody who would like to talk about uh, this particular movie, we're always available on uh, social media. Find us at on Facebook at Andromeda, uh, Andromeda Minutes uh, Project Wildfire on Facebook, or on Twitter at Andromeda Minute. Um, we, if you haven't subscribed already, and you should, because we're only a third of the way through, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Just go in and uh, subscribe and get this stuff delivered hot and fresh Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday to talk some more with the Carlisles. Uh, in the meantime, please wear a mask, stay six feet apart, and wash your hands. That always helps. And uh, hopefully if everybody does these things, we can get done with this stuff and not have a plague year into next year. Uh, in the meantime, we will see you uh, Wednesday right here on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.